the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's who he is. The greatest act of God ever in human history was a divine act of compassion and grace as Jesus died on the cross suffering for our sins. If we're going to see people like Jesus sees people, we're going to be compassionate and full of grace. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Now you ask for it. That's the series we're in. What are some of those questions we have that we don't always talk about? So today we're dealing with an interesting topic, the topic of gender and sexuality. You could call this message, who am I? And what does it matter to you? Or you could just say, what does the Bible say about sexuality and gender? So as we get started, I've got a couple things I need to say. First, a parental warning, if you will. In today's message, we'll discuss the topics of sexuality and gender. All of this discussion is biblical and appropriate. But there will be words that will likely prompt questions for further discussion, maybe in your home, particularly from some children. I don't think this is a bad thing. But as church leaders, we recognize that you are the parent, and we want to give you the decision, the opportunity to control when you have those discussions. So this is your warning. But I want you to know, by the way, that in most cases, your children are probably already talking about these things. So just beware of that. Secondly, a disclaimer. I mentioned last week that I was not a counselor nor a psychologist. And I just need to let you know that nothing has changed in the last seven days. That's still true. I have no new degrees, nor am I now a medical doctor. So I'm going to talk about a, a subject that a lot of people in those other fields deal with, maybe even on a daily basis. That's really not how we're approaching this today. We're dealing with this contentious issue, but our purpose is not to discuss this issue or any other issue in its entirety, nor to walk you through a specific situation you may be dealing with. Instead, I want to give you a biblical lens through which you can view this broad topic of gender and sexuality. Now, before I even get started, I want to say that this message may prompt questions from some of you because of what you're walking through. And you want a little further discussion. As pastors in our church, elders, the Bible calls us, church leaders, we want to help you find that help that you need. And so one thing we're going to do is, is kind of impromptu. This Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. in our chapel, there'll be some of our pastors who are available just to sit and maybe go back and forth with some questions on this issue that maybe you came in with or that this message 
um, causes you to have. There are also some other resources that we can point you to. There's an author and a scholar, his name is Preston Sprinkle, who, who writes a lot on this topic. In fact, he's written a book that I've utilized even in preparation today. It's called Embodied, Transgender Identities and the Church. What does the Bible say? I don't agree with everything he says, but he handles this in a respectful way. And I, I think, you know, we can point you in directions like that. I do want to remind you that few topics have dominated the cultural moment we're living in, like conversations of gender and sexuality. So all you got to do is pick up your phone, not right now, but you could Google countless blogs, you could watch videos of messages or speeches, you could see debates of Christians talking about this in different ways. Transitioning between genders, same-sex attraction, sexuality in general, it's part of the normal cultural conversation that we partake in today. But every day it seems like the conversation is growing louder and sometimes more complicated. And so as we get started, I recognize everybody here is coming probably from one of three views. Number one, some of you are thinking, wow, thanks. I really don't know much about this and I need to learn more. Thanks for the information. Some of you are thinking, Pastor, you don't know it, but I'm, I'm dealing with this in my circle of influence, my family, my little corner of the world. This will be helpful. There's a third group of you, though. Some of you are thinking, what? On a Sunday morning? Why don't we? Let's just talk about Jesus, can't we? But here's the deal. This is going to be helpful regardless of which of those situations you're coming from. Because the reality is we're confronting in society this issue on a daily basis. Let me see if I can illustrate that. This week I was speaking in Brooklyn, New York, and I opened my phone just to see if anything was going on in the world, in the news, and the first thing that popped up is that this prominent actor, Wayne Brady, had announced that he was now pansexual. Fortunately, I'm not going to give you a test to see if you even know what that means. But that was this week. Also this week... After their defeat in the World Cup, the leader of the women's national soccer team, Megan Rapinoe, expressed her support for transgender athletes, even in women's soccer, this week. But this is not new to this week, is it? Across the country, in communities of all sizes, in libraries and bookstores, there are headlines being made because they're hosting something known as drag queen story hours. What is that? If you watch the news, you'll discover that the Assistant Secretary of Health, a cabinet-level position in the Biden administration, is Rachel Levine, a transgender individual. But you don't have to go looking, even in children's programming, like, yes, Blue's Clues, even on the Disney Channel, you see this introduced to our children. Last year, it made news because Hasbro, the toy developer, decided that the toy I grew up with, Mr. Potato Head, no longer could be referred to as a mister, but just Potato Head. The bottom line is if you leave your house with your elementary age children, unless you put your head in the sand, you're going to have these discussions, just as we have, even with a daughter who's visually impaired. Because you're confronting these things in society. And you had better know where you stand. So what do we do? We, uh, we had better know what we believe. 
As a Christian seeking to answer cultural questions and discuss societal issues, you must always start with a clear understanding of your biblical convictions and your personal beliefs. So I want to ask you, do you know what you believe? We're going to talk about some issues, but not just this issue. Do you know what you believe? Last week, we were dealing with depression and anxiety and and discouragement in our life. And we started in Scripture, in the book of Ephesians, at a place where it told us that the battles we face in life are not always physical battles. Sometimes they are spiritual battles. And and we're battling not against flesh and blood, as it says, but we're battling against principalities of darkness. And I ask you, do you really believe that? Last week, we heard Jesus say that all things are possible for those who believe in faith. And I ask you, do you believe that? See, you have to decide what you believe. I'm going to tell you a few things I believe in a moment and why. But first, I want to pray for us. I'm I'm praying a couple of ways. I'm praying as I always do that my words and my thoughts would not return with void, but they would be honoring to God just as his word goes forth. I'm I'm praying like I read this morning as I'm reading through the Bible and it, it says that God so blessed Samuel that none of his words fell to the ground. I don't know exactly what that means, but I think he meant none of the words were wasted. So I don't want to waste words. I don't need you to hear what I'm saying. I want you to hear what God's word says today, okay? So let's pray together. God, you are worthy of our time, our focus, our energy, and our worship. And now we recognize that you've given us your word. So as Eli told Samuel, we're going to say to you, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Lord, as I hold out my hands, I ask you just to fill me, fill this place with your presence. Lord, as I lift up my hands, I pray that you would allow everything we say to not detract from who you are, but to give honor and glory to you. Lord, as I stretch out my arms, I just simply say, I surrender, God. Lord, have your will. Lord, may that be the prayer of each of us as we end this time together, that your will be done in our life today, just as it's being done in heaven. So, Lord, again, I pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, for you're my strength and my redeemer. Lord, let someone today begin a relationship with you because they've heard the truth of the gospel of you, Jesus the Christ. And, Lord, allow all of us to walk away different as those who were created in your divine image. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. You can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. 
Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Ask you if you knew what you believed. But I want to tell you three things I believe. I think maybe you should believe them too. First, I believe every person is created in the image of God. I believe that. Everyone you see. Just look around this full room for a second. Everybody you see created in the image of God. We call that the Imago Dei. You bear God's image. Why do I believe that? Genesis 1, first page of the Bible, listen to verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. By the way, this is a reminder that God introduces the Trinity on the first page of the Bible. Why does it say us? Because it's speaking for God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over every living creature that moves on the ground. Hear me today. You were created in the image of God. You are God's image bearer. But that's true of everyone. Say everyone. Everyone. Everybody you know was created in God's likeness, in his image. But it said a second thing there. From creation, God created them male and female. We know that from a biological sense. This is not biology class. Thank you, Jesus. But there is a reality. There's external evidence of what is a male and a female biologically. There's internal evidence of what is a male and a female biologically. And scripture's teaching that in the image of God, that's the way God creates us. But there's a third thing. It also tells us that everybody was created on purpose for a purpose. It even gives us a couple of those purposes. One of those purposes is reproduction. So that's important we acknowledge that. That God created man and woman for a purpose of reproduction so that his world might grow. So that there might be flourishing that takes place through man and woman. But then he also created them so that they might rule over the world, so that they might live with purpose in their individual lives. God created us to be difference makers where we are. Now, what's the simple truth I want you to get out of this? It's not complicated. If everyone's created in the image of God, we must begin by treating them with the honor and dignity that every person deserves. Some of us need to make an adjustment just right there with that basic truth. There's nobody that you have the freedom to treat in an unkind way. I tell you that often. You should remember it. The Christ follower never has the liberty to be unkind. And this is one of the reasons. Because everybody you see is in the image of God. You need to treat them with that respect that God desires for those who were created in his image. You need to see them as God sees them. When I was a young man, I was privileged to to serve in the U.S. Capitol. I worked for one of our U.S. Senators. Even before 9-11, that was one of the most secure places on the planet. 
Not just anybody could walk through the halls in the Russell Senate office building where I worked. But I could. Not because I was special. But because I had a badge. (laughs) I I wore the badge that said I was an employee. I, I worked for U.S. Senator Strom Thurmond. So not because of me, but because of that which I bore, the badge, I I could go to some pretty cool places. I could go on elevators that just everybody couldn't go on. I could even go down below the U.S. Capitol and I could see the subway system, the trains that the senators and the congressmen would take from their office so that they could make it to a vote there in the Capitol building. Kind of cool. But again, for one reason, because I had the badge. Those security guards, even though it was before 9-11, they were pretty tough. But they saw the badge and they looked at me differently. What I want you to understand, if you're a follower of Christ with the knowledge that you have, you have to look at everybody as having the Imago Dei, the image of God. Are you treating people that way? Image. There's a second word. That my beliefs are situated around. And it's the word identity. I believe every person's identity is best discovered in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember the story of the temptation of Jesus? It takes place in Matthew chapter 4. It's the first thing that Jesus does in his ministry. Do you know what the enemy comes after? Let's just read it. Matthew 4 verse 3. The tempter, that's Satan, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, time out. If you're the son of God, what was he attacking? He was attacking his identity. You really know who you are? You really think you can do this? Are you secure in what you're professing? See, (laughs) it's kind of a funny story. I read just this morning, a little later, Jesus is going to tell his disciples... Hey, you don't worry about Satan. I was there when we kicked him out of heaven. So Jesus not only knew who he was, he knew who the tempter was. And by the way, how did he answer the tempter? You remember? Three times with scripture. When you're going to battle the temptations of this life, there's only one way you're going to do that successfully. And that's with the word of God. But there's something I want you to see here. The enemy's strategies are not new. He's boring. He attacks your identity. And he does that to shake your security. Because he doesn't want you to feel confident in who you are and who God created you to be. So let me ask you, where are you finding your identity? Is it your career? What people call you? Is it your education? The status you've achieved? Is it your bank account? (laughs) Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Or is it your sexuality? The way you present yourself to others. Where is your identity? I believe identity is not based on our feelings, but on who we're trusting in. What is the driving passion of our life? I believe that's biblical. In fact, there's a great verse 
in the Bible, because you know, Scripture teaches that when we begin a relationship with Christ, everything changes. It says if, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. All the old things are passed away. All things have become new. Listen to what the same author, the Apostle Paul, says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What is he saying? He's teaching us that when we begin a relationship with Christ, we are now placing ourselves in Christ. Our identity has changed, and that changes everything. Let me make sure you understand that. Here's what Scripture teaches. Every one of us are separated from God at birth because of sin in our life. It's kind of this battle that we all have. You felt it even before you were a Christ follower, if you're a Christian. You've got this good thing that you were created in the image of God. Everybody has that goodness of God with which they were created. But then you've got this bad thing, sin, that necessarily separates you from a holy God and keeps you from experiencing God's best in your life. And if that's left undealt with, you'll go through all of life separated from him. But God doesn't want that. That's why it says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's why it says in Romans 5, that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The hope of the gospel is that I, in spite of my sinfulness, in spite of my feelings, in spite of my desires, in spite of all the ways I've messed up, I can be placed in Christ so that when God the Father looks at me, He doesn't see me as the culmination of the worst moments of sin in my life, but he sees his son, Jesus Christ. I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So let me read that again with that in mind. So in Christ Jesus, it says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It doesn't say I don't have battles, I don't have temptations, I don't even sin. It doesn't say that, but it says the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Because when I trusted him, it changed everything. My identity must not be based on how I feel. It's based on what I believe. And that's something Christ's followers have to understand. It's true of any decision you make. Can I just be real vulnerable to you? There are a lot of times I don't feel like being a preacher. There are a lot of Mondays I feel like quitting. There are days I don't feel like being a husband. There are some times I don't even feel like being a good father. But I don't do any of those things because of how I feel. I do those because of a calling in my life and convictions that I have. And the same has to be true of other choices that we make. Now, we've discovered that God created us in his image. He created us male and female. That's our biological sex. What happens in what is called gender dysphoria is a person says, I was born into a male body, 
but I feel like I'm not a male. Or I was born into a female body, but I feel like I'm not a female. And when transitioning takes place, a term that is used medically, what we're saying is happening is you're making a decision about your biology, your identity, based on your feeling. What I'm telling you as a Christ follower, we make decisions about our identity based on who we are in Christ. That's why in Galatians it says, in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. You all were baptized into Christ. You've clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free nor male nor female. You're all one in Christ. Our identity is in Christ. That's why pastor and theologian Tim Keller wrote, the Bible says our real problem is that every one of us is building our identity on something beside Jesus. And until we settle that, nothing else matters. So before we move on, you understand you're an image bearer, and are you finding your identity in Christ? But there's a third thing, I believe, and it affects everything in my life. I believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. Now, that's a word some of you may not be familiar with. What does inerrancy mean? It it means I believe that Scripture is perfect. It's It's true. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.